This sermon was recorded at the Johnson County Congregation of Redeemer Fellowship, a church that exists to cultivate communities of transformed disciples who live for the glory of God and the good of the city. For more information, visit RedeemerKansasCity.org. The scripture reading for this morning is John 15, 1 through 15. It can be found on page 901 in the black hardback Bibles in the pew. John 15, starting in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have known to you. So, Father, will you hear our prayers? And all the things that are happening in our heads and in our hearts uh, and in our bodies right now, we, we need you. We need your mercy. We need your grace. We need your spirit. We need your presence. Jesus, we need you. Like that's the only that's the only thing that um, is sure and steady. You are. And so we um, lift up our hearts, our confusion, our questions, our anger, our fear, um, and we say that in the middle of all of that swirl, uh, you are still good and that you've always been good, that you will never stop being good and faithful. Um, So, Lord Jesus, will you 
bind up broken hearts? Will you heal wounds? Will you speak clearly and tenderly and with strength to us? Because you can hold all of that together. You're the one who can speak quietly and peacefully, and you're the one who can thunder reality also. So will you open up our like hearts and our brains to hold that together and to see you freshly? Uh, Jesus, we need you. Will you be with your church? In Jesus' name, amen. John 15 is about Jesus, um, which I know the whole Bible is about Jesus, but John 15 is really about Jesus. Um, and as I was thinking about, like, what do you even say after talking about all of that? Um, like the the only thing that I could come up with is that Jesus is good, Jesus is faithful, and everything that John 15 says about who Jesus is is true and trustworthy, and that when everything else feels like it's shaky and falling apart, you can hold on to this, and you can hold on to him. So I don't have a strategy. I have zero solutions. I have no justifications. I have no, it's going to be okay because Mark is awesome and I can talk from a stage or anything like that. Um, The only thing that I have for you today is that Jesus is good and that Jesus is the true vine who is bringing all of God's purposes to reality in the world and that you can hold on to him. The reason that I fell in love with this church is that I heard that every single week from the stage, that Jesus is your only hope, that Jesus is the one that you can hold on to when everything else is falling apart, when everything else is shaking, and that hasn't stopped being true. So I have six observations that I want to talk about from John 15. Um, I don't have a great flow. I don't have great illustrations or anything like that. All I have is six things for you to hold on to from John 15 right now and always. So the first observation that I have here is that Jesus is the true vine. Jesus is the true vine, verse 1. I am the true vine. Look how easy preaching is. Literally just like, (laughs) just read the thing. Jesus is talking to his disciples as their world is about to be rocked. They're not on vacation. They're not sitting on the beach. They're not um, basking in the glow of all of their accomplishments and all of the things that they've been working really hard towards working out. Jesus is talking to his disciples as he's walking to his betrayal by a close friend and ultimately to death on a cross, which means he's talking to his disciples on the night that their lives are about to be turned upside down, where they're not going to be able to understand what's going on, where all of their hopes and dreams for what they thought their life was going to be like after that this is about to be crushed and crushed in a really brutal, public way. 
And in the middle of that, Jesus, literally as they're having this conversation, he's saying these words, they're walking to the Garden of Gethsemane where he's about to be betrayed. The thing that he wanted them to know, and by extension, the thing that he wants us to know right now when our worlds feel shaky and falling apart, is that despite everything that has happened and is about to happen, Jesus is the true vine. I am the true vine. Don't you ever forget that I am the true vine. Throughout the Old Testament, God calls Israel his vineyard, his vine, his special planting. He cultivated, he called them out in order to bear fruit. What is that fruit? That fruit is um, the spreading of God's glory, God's purposes, the blessings of living in covenant relationship with the God who made everything into the whole world. It's looking at the brokenness of the world and saying what this world needs is the presence of God. And the problem is Israel failed and fell short and got in their own way and forgot what they were supposed to be doing for thousands of years. Over and over and over again, they failed to live up to what God had called them to. And so here, right before the disciples think that maybe this is the time when Israel gets it right, Jesus flips their categories and says, hey, that thing that you were hoping in It's actually me. I'm the true vine. I'm the one who is going to bring God's life and God's purposes into the world. Look at me. We we read, read, um, it's called New City Catechism with our boys. It's based off of Heidelberg Catechism. The first um, question in there is, what is your only hope in life and in death? And the answer is that I am not my own, but belong body and soul to God, to my Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus, as he is walking to the cross, is reminding his followers and us that we're not the vine, that we are not our own, that we belong to him, and that he is the one who is going to do everything that God said he would do. Observation number two, if Jesus is the vine, then the Father is the vine dresser. I'm actually going to preach on this again next week, so um, you get to hear this twice. Um, in the er, second half of verse one, my Father is the vine dresser. Verse two, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So Jesus is saying that if I am the vine, then my father is the one who is relentlessly committed to ensuring that the vine is going to do what it's supposed to do. He's going to cut, he's going to prune. Why? So that more life and more fruit might move forward. Which is, this, this, is, this is really, really important. It helps us make sense of how God works, how God operates, um, how God, as one, one author um, says it, shows us a severe mercy, a mercy that like can be painful. Sometimes when gardeners prune, they cut the thing back like all the way. And you wonder, like, dude, did you have to go? Like, did you have to go that far? And the answer is, yes. And the father is ruthlessly, relentlessly committed to making sure 
that the vine and the branches has everything that it needs to bear fruit and to bear life. He trims and he prunes in two different ways. One is disciplinary. He cuts off things that are dead and not producing life so that more life can move forward. And he cuts and trims things that are producing life. Why? So that more life and more fruit can move forward. And so Jesus here is reminded of a really important reality. There are going to be things that we experience in the world that we don't know how to make sense of. When we look at it, we're going to see things that are chopped up, that look like sin, failure, reaping consequences of immaturity, and all of those things are true. And we're experiencing all of those things in our church. Jesus doesn't want to say, hey, no, that's not really what's going on. But what he does want to do is to show you that underneath all of that is a father who is taking all of that and bringing life and growth. This is the kind of God that he is. That's what he does. And it's merciful that he does that. What is God doing when things are painful and falling apart? He is pruning, faithfully, slowly, powerfully working to cultivate and bring his life in the world. And nothing is going to stand in the way of that. Observation number three, if that's true, if Jesus is the true vine, if the Father is the vine dresser, then our job is to stay connected to Jesus. Verse four, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. So 10 times in 11 verses, Jesus is going to use this word abide, which if you're ever reading the Bible and you see a word repeated over and over and over again like that, it means it's the main point. This means it's the thing that Jesus is, is calling you to do. And literally what Jesus is saying is, hey, you are not the vine. You're not the one who's holding this all together. You're not the one who is bringing life. You're not the one that God's purposes depend on. Jesus is. I am. He's already said that. He said, what you are are branches who are connected to me. Which think about that for a second. The way that Jesus describes the nature of your relationship to him is so close and intimate. It's like an organism that is fused together where we are pulling, sustaining life, growth, nutrition, any like hope of producing fruit in our lives comes completely from him. And Jesus says, do you want to know how to do that? You just stay with me. You just stay close to me. You just keep your eyes fixed completely on me. And he gives us two ways of doing that later on in this passage too. He says, he says that you can stay in me and abide in me if my word abides in you, which is internalizing everything that Jesus has said about who he is, what he's doing, what he's up to, how we're supposed to walk in response and obedience to that. So he says, hey, the way you abide in me is, is listen to me. Listen to me more than you listen to anything else. 
Let my word, my reality shape the way that you move, operate, live in this world, make sense of this world. Let my word go deep, deep, deep down inside of your soul and you will abide and remain in me. And the second way he gives it to us is by talking back to him. Um, in verse seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And so he's inviting us, hey, come to me. As you are abiding in me, as you're staying connected to me, talk back to me. Ask me whatever it is that you want to ask. And I'm going to be faithful to you. And my Father is going to be faithful to you. So what is Jesus calling his followers to do? And what are we going to do? We're going to abide in him. We're just going to stay connected to him and keep our eyes as best as we can focused on him. Observation number four. If our job is to stay connected to Jesus, then the Father is glorified when we abide in Christ. That is verse eight. By this, my Father is glorified. Again, preaching is really easy. You just say what the thing says. If you're wondering what it means to live a life that glorifies, that honors God, a life that is meaningful, a life that bears fruit, a life that is significant, a life that can face the brokenness and disappointment in the world, Jesus says it is this kind of life. This is the kind of life that Jesus, that God is looking for. What God wants more than anything else more than anything else, is people who will say, you're right, I'm not the center of everything. I don't have it all together. I need to stay connected to the vine. It is my only shot. And God the Father delights in that. He loves that. He is glorified by that. Observation number five, when we do that, when we abide, when the Father is glorified, when we abide, we actually experience, which I want you to think about this, the same kind of love that the Father has for the Son. It's not a secondary market, watered down, diluted thing. The very love that the Father has for his Son it's the love that Jesus offers and gives to us. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. So what do we do? Abide in my love. Which, which is to say, um, abiding isn't dry and like boring, when we stay connected to Jesus, when we look to him, when we keep our like, faces fixated on him, it's actually not just like, oh yeah, I know this is what we're supposed to do. Um, this is cool. It's actually being drawn into the very life and love of God. Which again, remember, Jesus is not saying these words to his disciples when they're on vacation. He's saying these words to them when everything is crumbling and falling apart. He's saying the same love that God the Father has for me, I have for you, and is yours. 
And he continues on, um, and, and he says, you might be asking, okay, how do I abide in um, in his love, Jesus answers, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And so when Jesus is calling his disciples, his followers, us to keep his commandments, he's not um, calling us to some kind of dry, lifeless, well, I better do this thing because it's what God said to do. He's actually inviting us to follow him, to be drawn into his life, to experience the kind of joy that he has, the one who is like joy himself. He says, if you follow me, not to gain my approval, not to prove anything, but just to abide in my love, you can have this kind of joy and that kind of steadiness and stability. And as we read on, Jesus again gives us what his commandment is. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Like if you want to know what Jesus wants, what the commandments of Jesus are, it's really simple. It's I've loved you with a deep, self-giving, sacrificial love. Love each other in the same way. And if we do that, we abide in Christ, we get more of his love, we get joy, and God is going to be faithful to everything that he said he was going to be faithful to. The Father is glorified when we abide in Christ. Jesus loves us with the same love that the Father has for him. And then finally, observation number six, the love of Jesus is most clearly demonstrated in his cross, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Who are Jesus' friends? You're my friends. If you do what I command you, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all that I've heard from the Father, I have made known to you. So this is what I'm up to. I'm the true vine, bringing God's true life into the world filling the world with his presence, with his glory, all of his purposes um, that have gone astray since creation, redeeming, reconciling, healing what's been broken, putting back together things that have been shattered. And he says the way that he's going to do that is by giving up his life for his friends, by taking out uh, on all of the weight, the brokenness, the sadness, the evil, the sin, of the world upon himself and overcoming it and bringing new life. Because in Jesus, death isn't actually stronger than life. God is stronger than death and God is full of life. And so when we experience things like we're, like we're experiencing right now, um, I did not have fun this week. It was not a fun week. Um, and no matter where you are, Jesus says that this is who he is and it's what he's doing. That what we need more than anything is to look at him, be fixated on him. Remember, he's the one that's holding everything together. That he's the one who actually 
underwent the justice and the wrath of God for us and is cultivating and doing something that we can't imagine. So um, we're just going to keep on doing that. We're just going to keep on looking at Jesus, holding on to him, abiding in him, trusting that he's good, trusting that our Father loves us that our Father loves us and is committed to his Son, that is committed to his church, and that is committed to bringing the world back to him. And we need his grace and we need his mercy. And the way that we say that every single week is by taking communion. Communion is not just a transition time. Communion is not just a time for us to get up and move our bodies around. Um, communion is actually the time when we say with our bodies that we believe that everything that Jesus says about who he is is true. Um, that we actually don't have what it takes in ourselves. We're completely dependent on him. We're dependent on him for life, for nourishment, for um, salvation, and we don't have what it takes inside of us um, to get that. We actually need the grace of God given to us, which is symbolized in the bread and the wine, the broken body of Jesus, the shed blood of Jesus on our behalf. So if you're a Christian, if you believe that Jesus is your hope, come and take communion. Come join in with all of the people of God. Meet at the foot of the cross to look for and receive grace, mercy, forgiveness, and renewal in a time of need. Because that's what God said that he would do. And that's what Jesus said that he is doing even right now. Um, so the way that we take communion here at Redeemer, if you believe in Jesus, if your hope is in him, come take it. It's open to you. Um, if you're not a Christian, we would love for you to um, stay in your seat and actually ask God to reveal himself to you to consider whether or not that what Jesus has to say about himself is actually true. If you are going to come, we're going to have three stations down the front, one station upstairs. On either side of me, there's going to be um, a loaf of bread. You can tear off a piece of the bread and dip it in either uh, wine or juice. Uh, the juice is in the glass. The wine is in the stoneware. Uh, and it symbolizes the broken body of Jesus, the shed blood of Jesus. And it also is a reminder of God's presence with us that God is actually really present and working to make all things new and to renew and heal this whole church. So um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing some more. We're going to take communion, um, and we'll just keep on abiding in Christ. So you pray with me? Uh, God, thank you for your goodness, thank you for your faithfulness. And I'm really sad. Um, and I know a lot of people here are sad and angry and confused also. Um, so will you meet us here? Like as we come and take communion, as we look on who you are, as we remember who you are, will you fix our minds and our hearts on you. And I actually pray that like, you would do something really deep and healing like in our body and also like in our individual lives um, as we 
come to you and as we look to you. Uh, Jesus, we need you. We're, you're, 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 our, you're our hope. We can't do anything without you. Um, so Father, do whatever you need to do in this church and in this people. Like we agree with you that you're good, that all your purposes are good, and that you're going to bring your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. So God, will you make that day come fast? And will you be with us and hold us? We need you. Pray all this in the name of Jesus, amen.